welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Nerd Party News, the show on the Nerd Party where we talk about the news. I'm Mike. I'm Lance. And it is December 21st? 20th. Well, 20th, yeah, 20th today. Releasing on the 21st, but it's the 20th. Yeah. And we're talking about uh, lots of news this week. Again, not as much as last week with the big (laughs) Disney onslaught, but still a lot of little odds and ends. But before we get into that, Lance, did you see anything good this week? Of course. And I'm sure it's the same good thing that you saw this week. And that's the season finale of The Mandalorian. In particular, the last, what, five to ten minutes of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was pretty great. But, geez. I I know, spoilers, spoilers for Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Sorry if you haven't seen Mandalorian, but why are you listening to this show then? Aside from from, uh, Lee Hutchison, I guess. Um, But, but, um. Yeah, I, I was not expecting that. I know a lot of people were speculating because, mm-hmm. you know, they said like, oh, reaching out to a Jedi and who's the big Jedi? It's Luke, right? Yeah. But I guess I, I just didn't think that they were going to go there. I, I You know, the other theory was Ezra. Mm-hmm. And with the Grand Admiral Thrawn reference and everything, that ties into Rebels and stuff. And I thought like, okay, but... Honestly, I didn't think there were going to be any Jedi this season. The way this show drags out their their freaking premise, yeah. I thought that they were going to get Grogu and then leave, mm-hmm. and then next season's arc would be about finding the Jedi, yeah. right? You know, that's what I, I thought as well, but, you know, they zigged when they should have zagged, but, like, in a good way in this case. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised and and happy and all sorts of emotions at, at what I saw. Because, like, again, I had no idea that they were going to do this. Like, there were some speculations, as you were saying, but I was just like, there's no way. Like, there's mm-hmm. like I just kind of chalked it up. This, there's no way they're going to bring him in. And they right. did. Like, like, doggone it, they did. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where, you know, time and again, this seems to be happening, whether it's with Star Wars or, uh, you know, any of these other franchises. But y- you you think about that. You think about, like, doing something like that, bringing in Luke Skywalker. And Mm -hmm. it's like you immediately dismiss it because it's not something which is done, right? Yes, It's just not on the table. Mm -hmm. And then when they do it, you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Why not do that, right? Yeah. But you would never think that they would actually do that. Yeah, I just, I thought it'd be too complicated. I thought, you know, scheduling might not work out. And I don't, I don't, I thought that, you know what they were doing with the story; it might not work out, but no, they they surprise me. And this is a and I mentioned like this is a surprise in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know other things within the franchise were surprising, and in my opinion, not in the not it like not in a way that I that I I dug. So mm-hmm. and this is this is the exact opposite. Yeah. Speaking of things that that don't work, you know, Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big problems, or I would say the big problem for me, is the fact that they were like, you know. The Emperor's back, and it's like, how? And it's like, well, you know. Because. Because, you know, and I I mean, I don't know if this is how other people are reading it or not, but the whole season, it really seems like 
what they're setting up is fixing the, that big plot po- plot hole from Rise of Skywalker. Right? Yeah, well, it, well, you know, I'll, I'll take it even further. I don't think it's just Rise of Skywalker that they're trying to fix. <laughs> I think okay. it's I think it's all of the sequel trilogy because it was okay. not overall it was not received as well. I think as the powers that be thought it would be. Right. Mm -hmm. Given everything, like, you know, regardless of like the financial success it had and all the other things like the 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 fandom at best is divided over it. Right. And and it's and it's I don't think that that was the result that they wanted, especially considering that people were pretty in lockstep with the original trilogy and people, for the most part, are in lockstep with their thoughts on the the prequel trilogy as well. So Mm -hmm. but with the sequel trilogy, not so much. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place, mm-hmm. you know. I, I don't know. I like. I, I, I can. I can just imagine, you know, John Favreau watching Rise of Skywalker and being like, "I'll take care of that." Yeah, I'll, basically, I'll, I'll, I'll fill. <laughs> Which you know is cool. I mean, good, good for him, and and good for us. I mean, this is one of those rare instances where we we may have a situation where something that has come after will make something that has come before like legit better, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, you can say that to some degree with with things here or there, but it's very rare that, you know, because all the time, right? All the time. I mean, that's what all of these franchises are built on, all of these prequels and everything. It's like, let's explain something from a previous movie. And mm-hmm. you go like, well, that's fine. Thanks for the explanation. But like, we didn't need that we didn't need that character's backstory we didn't need any of that stuff yeah like right? so yeah for example <laughs> um but here is a case where it's like you watch the the quote-unquote original piece you know in this case episode nine and you mm-hmm. say like oh that that doesn't work and then you see this and you're like okay now it works yes maybe but i don't know it makes me happy mm-hmm. same yeah, and then you watch the credits of this thing. Uh, yeah. And after the credits, there's a credit cookie with Boba Fett shooting Bib Fortuna mm-hmm. and sitting on what used to be Jabba's throne, I mm-hmm. guess. It looks like they might have changed the chair, you know, in, in yeah. the meantime, but, you know, whatever. Made it made it for a more of a, a humanoid as opposed to a, a slug. Right, right. And then a little title card saying the book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. All right. That was the biggest surprise to me. Like, yes. I, <laughs> um, you know, after announcing all those those shows and movies last week for they, them to say like, but wait, there's more. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are thinking that probably Favreau was like, can we just not? announced that so that this is like a surprise next yeah. week you know and i don't think that the studio itself has specified what this is because i mean we talked about this a bit last week how they were very vague as to like what the next thing would be right mm-hmm. they said like the next chapter will be in december of 2021 but they didn't say what that next chapter was they didn't and i think everyone assumed it was mandalorian season three yep Apparently it's not. Not it's so fast. The, the Book of Boba Fett. So what do you think about this? This is interesting. And considering that they went through the trouble of bringing this character back, right, which is something I did not expect at all in this, yeah. 
And this also coincides with the fact that the Mandalorian's story, our, you know, our Mando, Dan, his story at the moment is kind of concluded because he, he did his job. He got mm-hmm. Grogu to somebody that can work with him. Like he got him to some, like some of his people is what he was, you know, tr- been trying to do. Right. He got him to a Jedi. So his task is completed. So for now, like, you know, what's going to happen with him and moving on in the future is like, well, the, the questions that are looming are like, what's going to be the state of, of Mandalore and the, the other people that, you know, that kind of follow that creed now that he has the dark saber, what's going to go on with him and Bo-Katan, all that other stuff. But they can kind of put that on hold now because they have the OG Boba Fett <laughs> to work with at the moment. Yeah. Certainly looks like uh, Ming-Na Wen is going to be a big part of that show as mm-hmm. well, obviously, since she's right there with him. Uh, when he's sitting on the throne, yep, uh, and and I imagine that you know all of these things will cross over. I mean, the way that they were talking, I think everyone had assumed that these series, Ahsoka and and Rangers of the New Republic, and everything, would tie into like a Defender style event, mm-hmm. like as like a culmination of this thing. Okay, but but now it seems like maybe the Book of Boba Fett is the start. And these things are going to spin off from it. I don't Seems know. That way, could be right. I don't know. It's at this point we have infinite possibilities. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if maybe you know on Monday we're going to get some sort of official announcement from Lucasfilm because you know I can see them like essentially going radio silent for the weekend, give everyone a chance to see it and not be spoiled, mm-hmm. and then Monday coming in and being like, okay. So now here's exactly what we're doing, you yeah. know, because, I mean, they've already done it with everything else. We we have, you know, key art for all this stuff and everything. So why wouldn't they just lay it all out there? I agree. You know, take away the mystery. So well, that'll definitely be something to look forward to. Um, but, for sure. you know, the next the next live action Star Wars adventure, the book of Boba Fett. Crazy. Also, you know, a bit of sad news. The original Boba Fett, Jeremy Bullock, passed away this week. Yeah. Bullock, he's someone who I don't think he was like an actor by trade. He was like the half-brother of Robert Watts, who was the producer of, of the original trilogy. And if, if memory serves, he basically got the job because he fit the suit. Yeah. Right? Like they were like, here, try this on. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay. And then he did. I like I, I seem to remember him saying, like, even there's like a Wookiee pelt, you know, that you put on the the belt of of that suit. And he's like, I don't know what this is. So he like tucked it into the helmet like it was his ponytail or something. And they're like, No, no, no. You know, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that he he became like an icon. Like yes. we're still talking about him today. Because there's a, there's, gonna, there's a new spinoff show based on him and his character, right? Yeah, and and certainly, I mean, he made a cameo in Empire Strikes Back as uh, the Imperial officer who's like dragging Leia away. It's mm-hmm. just going like, "Luke, it's a trap." Yeah, and then he's actually got some dialogue in, um, I think it's Episode Three. He plays like a, a pilot okay. in, in that in like one scene, but because fandom being what it is and the convention circuit and whatnot, he's become like a presence in the fan community, even though he's done, you know, just a few acting gigs, I think all in 
the realm of Star Wars. Yeah. But everybody says that he was a really nice guy and everything like that, you know, very gracious with the fans and all that stuff. And That's great. I'm sure he will be missed in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Another, well, Star Wars legend, but just general movie legend who passed away is Peter Lamont, mm-hmm. who was a production designer who worked on everything from like James Bond to aliens, Titanic, Star like Wars. Heavy hitters. Like he had his hand in lots of stuff, man. Like, like kudos to him. Like he was, you know, definitely right place, right time, but also like his, his fingerprints and his imprint, his magic touch is on a lot of things that we hold dear, you know? Yeah. When you think about like, you know, he got his start or maybe he didn't get his start, but he started working on, Goldfinger, mm-hmm. and he worked on every single James Bond movie from Goldfinger through Casino Royale. That's so awesome. <laughs> w- with the exception of Tomorrow Never Dies, and the only reason why he didn't work on that is because he was busy working on Titanic, mm-hmm. which he won an Oscar for. <laughs> it's like, God, you know? Yeah. Ali- aliens and everything, you know, and then, you know, the new Star Wars movies... It's just insane, his body of work. Mm-hmm. But uh, he passed away as well, and, you know, he he will be missed as well. Yeah. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit, uh, Leonard Roberts from Heroes, mm-hmm. he wrote a, an, I mean, I, I don't know what you would call it, an, not really an editorial, but he gave no. his account of his yeah. experience uh, working on heroes in variety, and um, it's pretty eye opening. Now, mm-hmm. were, were you a fan of heroes back yes. in the day? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I could not stand that show. I saw most of the first <laughs> season because my wife was obsessed with it, but the whole time I'm just like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen." Oh no! <laughs> don't like. Let, don't get it twisted. Like that was my attitude after season one. Okay. All right. I, you know, it just felt, and, and maybe I couldn't really separate it even at the time. Like the marketing was just so like, you know, what was it like? Save the cheerleaders, save Save the the world. world. And they like all that stuff. And it's just like, okay, you are pushing this thing so hard. I do not care about this mystery. Mm -hmm. What is going on? This is so over the top cheesy. I thought it looked amazing. I love the fact that like Tim sale art was in there and everything. But I really don't remember much about it. But okay. Leonard Roberts, he was in season one, right? Yes, correct. Okay. So he actually did come back for a couple episodes for season two just so they could kill him off? Yes. Okay. And apparently the reason why they killed him off is because his main co-star, Ellie Larder, just didn't like him, I guess? I mean, they're, I mean <laughs> that's that's putting it mildly, I think. I mean, if if you're going to get someone fired, I mean that's that's pretty harsh, regardless. Y- yes, it is. But the the fact that she was unwilling to, because she played his wife, and was unwilling to do, you know, a scene with them like being being intimate because it was hurting her brand. The fact that she was a, was willing and more than able and willing to do it with other characters on on set multiple times. They brought her character back three times. They killed Leonard's off. And then they also killed off all the other, uh, all the other black characters in season one as well. And, 
you know, the fact that he got no no help from any of the management or the higher ups and they appeased Ali Larder instead. And all of the by all the counts that was made pretty clear to him, just like, well, they're not going to get rid of her because I mean, well, they're not going to get rid of her. So you're the expendable one. I mean, what is that all? I mean, it, it spells out pretty clearly what was going on here. And, yeah. you know, this is not to, when I when I read that, that was not surprising to me at all. Because this is the world, this is the world we live in. And again, you know, the world turned upside down this year for more than just COVID, right? Yeah. And so a lot of these things are becoming more on the surface for people to see. But these are things that like me in particular sees all of the time. And I think now people are finally just starting to believe us when these things coincide because Hollywood has had this problem all of the time. We talked last episode about, you know, the treatment of of Miles Morales and his exclusion from live action. I mean, what do you think the large reason for that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the same reason why Leonard Roberts, you know, had to go through what he did. And it's not, he's not alone in that. Cause it, this is the same uh, struggle that lots of black actors have to go through in Hollywood blend. the same thing with black writers, directors, producers, you know, we hear about like, you know, directors getting screwed and like, you know, want to get one in their vision to get off the ground. We only hear that about certain people. We don't hear that for Ava DuVernay. We don't hear that for Ryan Coogler. We don't hear that for, um, for Spike Lee and a whole host of others. Right. But you know, these other people just like, Oh, like, well, we just have to, he have to, has to get his vision off and like, Oh, so, such a great vision for so-and-so. And they're only talking about like, you know, just the white people. And, and, mm-hmm. and they don't talk, they don't mention any of the, you know, the things that, you know, the, the, the black struggle or the, uh, or any of the ethnic struggles for that matter. And this is just kind of what goes on, unfortunately. And I'm glad that he brought it to light. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be, a lot more stories like this, which are finally starting to surface. I mean, you know, Ray Fisher being a big one, you know, mm-hmm. in, in recent um, months and everything like that. I mean, do, do you feel like th- things in the industry seem like they're changing for the better or is it still just a. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of, honestly, it's kind of swinging to be more of the same. They've kind of, you know, virtue signaled on a certain amount of things and they've kind of given certain things like as, as a way of appeasement or, or, or way of thinking that this is helping. But some of the things that, that they're doing are not helping. And even though they, whether they're coming from a good place or not, it's just like, that's not exactly what we wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like a good example is for example, like, you know, like the, the new casting of, of Batwoman, right. Black woman, which is fine. But at the same time, that's not exactly what we were looking for when we're talking about the diversification in, 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 in Hollywood, for example, Uh, a good example would be like, you know, the Hallmark channel movies are finally diversifying, right? It's not just, you know, white people talking to white people in white town. Now it's like, you have black leads, you have gay leads, you have like all this, or like it's starting to look like the world that we live in. And honestly, Mm -hmm. that's mostly, mostly what is required instead of just seeing white faces in white spaces all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think that, and and I mean I, I don't know I don't know if things are are necessarily better now or not, but I mean like I just think about you know like one of the things that they said here was that the writing staff was all white, yeah, you know, and I mean that's just kind of mind blowing to me that that occurred even just like fourteen years ago, yeah. Which I know that's probably just me, but being naive, you know, in it's, saying that, dude, it's happening now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If, if you like, if you think about it, there's, there's. I'm pretty sure you can pick 
a handful of, you know, shows or movies out and the writing staff is all white people, right? Mm -hmm. Whether, whether intentional or not, but the fact that that is the default is the inherent problem. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's crazy. Well, I mean, hopefully some, some good will come of this, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it, it, you know, kudos to, to Leonard Roberts for, for telling his story and yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully things will change. Hopefully so. Okay. So we, we saw that trailer for what if the Marvel animated series and you see in there T'Challa played by Chadwick Boseman and kind of a, a mashup with um, the, the guardians of the galaxy, but a, a new report from Kevin Feige says that there will be more T'Challa stories in this. Like it sounds like there might be, I don't know, like four or five episodes with, with Chadwick Boseman. Cool. I mean, that's, that's pretty, you know, there's, he's got his new movie that was just came out on Netflix mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Have you seen it? Not yet. No. You know, a lot of people are talking about how, you know, this is his final performance and I think he's actually the front runner to win the Oscar for it and everything. Um, but with along with you know, he, he could theoretically win two Oscars this year. He could win yeah. lead for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and then supporting for De Five Bloods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that that I thought that that movie was excellent. Yeah, he was a great actor, man. Which is why like his loss is so it's so devastating because he was so good at the craft and he was so good at playing multiple types of characters. Um, yeah, it's it's just such a loss. <laughs> Right when when he passed away, uh, some of the theaters around here were showing um, forty two, mm-hmm. and I mean I had seen that before, but not I don't think I'd seen it since you know Black Panther, you know, and now you know you have I mean he's he's become like an icon, and you kind of think of him as that character. You think of him as T'Challa in a lot of ways, but yeah, but you look like, at well, you look at like forty two, and it's like completely different performance like completely yeah. you know naturalistic you know and and you know obviously he's playing like a a, a real person and everything instead of a superhero but mm-hmm. like he totally nails it yeah he he's does so well well also the same thing like think about some of the other roles like think about thurgood which is a completely different mm-hmm. type of character from from jackie robinson and t'challa and yeah. converse that with with playing james brown in in get on up and like and also yeah. like to to learn to dance like James Brown is a special thing in itself. Cause I've only seen one other person dance like James Brown effectively. And that's Bruno Mars. And that's what he does for a living. Right. <laughs> I still haven't seen the James Brown movie. I saw Thurgood, um, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen, I haven't seen the James Brown movie. I need to check that out. Yeah. Um, but as it turns out, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is not going to be the last performance we're, we're going to see of his. We're going to get some voice work at the very least. And what if, Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah. It's something to look forward to for sure. Absolutely. So Marvel has another show, quote unquote show, uh, which is coming out uh, in just a couple of weeks on Disney Plus called Marvel. I, I think it's called Marvel Studios Presents Legends or something. It's Marvel Legends is what it is. Yeah. And this is essentially going to be just like a clip show mm-hmm. focusing on like individual characters in order to basically get people up to speed on their stories prior yes. to the next big thing. Yeah. It's like a previously on th- with this character. Right. 
which which is great. I mean, because like January eighth, the week before WandaVision, they're going to release two episodes, one on Wanda and one on Vision, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, cool. Because like I was thinking to myself, like, how am I going to squeeze in Age of Ultron, Civil War? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like it's twenty two movies, right? Exactly. <laughs> And like the last time I saw all those, it was like when I like the last time I saw them. Like I don't revisit the MCU, right? Yeah. So, so th- I think this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, like um, our, our our colleague Brandon Shane Matala, who could not care less about comic book movies. That is correct. <laughs> Shout out to Brandon though. <laughs> <laughs> he saw the trailer for Wandavision, and he's like, "This looks good. I'm going to actually watch this show." <laughs> and I said to him, "Okay, well, before you do, I think you should watch these four movies." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I've never seen like these a lot life. of work." Yeah, he's <laughs> like, "That sounds like a lot of work." And I'm like, "Well, just watch this one at least. Think of it as like you know a preseason." And he's like, "No, nope, I'm out. It's not happening." <laughs> so I, I I showed him this thing. I'm like, "Here, all your all your uh, prayers have been answered. Now you can just watch this." half hour little recap thing and you'll be good to go for WandaVision. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know. We'll see if he does. I'd be curious to see what his reaction to it is as someone who is not being reminded of everything that came before, but is actually like learning about everything that came before. Uh, It'll be interesting to see, but I'm glad they're doing this. It's it's kind of a time saver. I don't know. Maybe I will go back and watch like the four movies with, with the Wanda and, and vision in them. But, I kind of think it, I've got too much other stuff to watch. Yeah, you know? it's too much. Yeah, I've been trying to get through Agents of Shield, um, just for I don't know because I never got watched the whole yeah, thing. I, got you. I don't know. Have, have you seen that show? Uh, half of season one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen the first three seasons, and I'm just starting season four, which is where they introduce Ghost Rider. Okay, and it's like that's fine. You know, it's cool. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But it really is just kind of like the same thing yeah. over and over and over again. I don't know. Whatever. So Marvel Legends coming January 8th. And I mean, they haven't said what their plans are going forward, but it seems like they'll probably do these things before there's a new project for each of these yeah. characters. You know, we'll probably get, uh, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier episodes uh, mm-hmm. prior to... Um, that show starting, which, by the way, you know, we were talking last week about um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, and the implication that maybe they're tying in. Uh, I forget the character's name, but uh, the original Captain America from Isaiah Bradley. Red, yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's been confirmed that he is going to be in the show. Yo. Now, see, like back to what we were talking about earlier about like, you know, like the like inclusion, diversifying things. That is a good idea. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really need to read that comic because I, I was completely unaware of it up until now. But um, I guess the the theory, like looking at like casting and stuff like that, is that they're thinking he's going to be p- played by Carl Lumbly. Oh, man, <laughs> <laughs> that would make my day because like quick story. So Carl Lumbly, I love Carl Lumbly yeah. and uh, personal story with that is he went to college with my dad like they were friends and so and so i've been like like on the con circuit and stuff like i love going like i love going to conventions and stuff and my thing was always like man i hope carl lumley is at one of these things so that way i could be like hey do you remember lamar laster from from minnesota and 
And I would love to catch up with it because like I, I would ask my dad about him like because he he sent him a, a tape of of the pilot episode of Mantis when that like, oh, really? way back in the day. Right. Because yeah, like they yeah. still talked it here and there. And um, I think he let him know that he had a son that was like, you know, in the nerdy stuff. And so like we watched Mantis together and whatever. And he I, when I asked him, I was like, well, what was he like? He was like he was and my dad response to me was, well, he was a lot like you. He was a big nerd. So I was like, <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, so. And so I think that we would like, we would get along and I think we would actually like have stuff to talk about. So yeah. uh, if he is playing Isaiah Bradley, Captain America, that would like literally like make my year. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's confirmed, but it's something which people are speculating. I oh think. man. I like that will probably make me cry tears of joy. Like that would be so cool. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm going through the the Arrowverse as as we've discussed, and we just got to uh, the the start of I guess it would be season three of Supergirl, where mm-hmm. they introduce him as John Jones's dad. Yeah, so it, it is pretty cool seeing him seeing him on there, especially you know hearing this news just like weeks after you know his first appearance. But yeah, he's he's great. Obviously, like on Alias, I think that's what I know him from more than yeah. anything else. He was on Alias, and, and then he's he's also the voice of the Martian Manhunter in the DC AU. I read that. That was a nice little... God, they love their little cameos. Yes, in they do. Universe. Yes, they do. <laughs> and and he also was in an episode of uh, Battlestar Galactica, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. He's a good actor. So. He is. Oh, man, I, I, will be, I will be praying for this. <laughs> this is what I want for Christmas, y'all. <laughs> So uh, the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely, the the writing team, which is responsible for all of this MCU madness in the past few years, they've mm-hmm. moved on from Marvel, but they're still doing their thing. I, I think it's pretty cool. These These four guys who basically, I don't know, reinvented movies, you know, <laughs> with, with, with Endgame and everything like that, you know, making the biggest franchise studio film of all time. Yeah. They're like, okay, we did that. We have that under under our belt, but now we're going to do that for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Starting up their own company together and, and making movies on the same level as Endgame, but just yeah. new to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Not Endgame 2, but something else. And they've got uh, an, one coming out, which I think is more of a like a prestige picture with I think Tom Holland is in it. Uh, okay. It's coming out on Apple TV plus. They're gonna release it in February so that it qualifies for the Oscars and then uh, release it on Apple TV plus in like March. It's called Cherry. And after that, they've got a movie which they're shooting right now called The Gray Man, which is I think kind of like a spy movie kind of an action thing okay. that's going to have uh, Anna Diarmas, Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling in it. Hmm. But they've just announced what their movie after that will be. Three movies now down the line, but um it's probably their biggest one to date out you know post Endgame and it's a movie called The Electric State which is going to star Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger, Stranger things. things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's based on a comic, which I haven't heard of before. Have, have you read nope. The Electric State? Okay, it says here, <laughs> I don't know what this means. The novel is a reimagined, low-tech, apocalyptic, mid-90s vision of the American West with stunning visual artwork. I don't know what that <laughs> means. 
Um, set in an alternative future, it tells the story of a teenage girl who realizes that a strange but sweet robot who comes to her has actually been sent by her missing brother. She and the robot set out to find the brother in an imaginative world of humans mixing with all manner of robots, uncovering a grand conspiracy in the process. Okay. It's not, I mean, low-tech 90s American West alternate reality. I mean, that sounds sure right up my alley. <laughs> sure. I don't know what it means, but I, I'm on board. Sounds fun. Yeah. And Universal has picked that up, so okay, it, cool. it actually will be like a, a big screen release on mm-hmm. like Cherry, so, so that's cool. So the National Film Registry, uh, it's one of the highlights of the year for me. I don't know why, <laughs> just because it's so weird. But every year, the National Fil- the Library of Congress adds 25 movies to the National Film Registry, uh, which are movies which it deems to be of cultural or historical significance Mm -hmm. and which it vows to preserve for all time so that future generations can watch these movies. And it's always a weird mixture because sometimes it's like just straight up masterpieces and sometimes it's movies which were like really popular or tapped into, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the time. And sometimes it's weird experimental movies which somehow chronicle some element of the world which is just important to to have on record, you mm-hmm. know? So it's always a weird mixture of stuff. Yeah. But this this year is no exception. Uh, the big one which everyone is talking about is The Dark Knight. Yeah. Which I think is pretty worthy, to be honest. I agree. And my, I guess my next question is, because this is not something that I pay attention to but is this the first comic book film that's made the list i kind of doubt it i i i i I feel like superman would be on there okay i i I don't know for sure to be honest but i I, you you can't the movies have to be 10 years old before they're considered okay uh but i gotta think that at least superman was on there you know probably batman you know spider-man maybe too i don't know Okay. But Super- Superman, I can't imagine not being on there. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But, I mean, they've got some other stuff. The, the other one that everyone's bringing up, kind of making fun of, is Shrek. Um, Why? Why? Because it's because it's an animated film? Because it's... I guess. You know, uh, but I, I get hashtag it. Hashtag respect like, animation. <laughs> and, and also, like, that's the first one. Well, I mean, I guess you could go back a little bit further to stuff like... Maybe Aladdin is the first one where they kind of, like, took that sort of modern comedic approach to to animation like mm-hmm. casting like a big name actor okay or big name comedian to sort of you know but i feel like shrek is kind of a turning point where it, it was it was almost like the point of no return mm-hmm. for for animation where it's like after they did it with shrek it's just like, okay, now th- this is going to be the new standard. This is what we're going to do for all animated movies. Yeah. I mean, you it's, know? it's, I, th- I think Shrek is a great movie for, for, for everybody, all ages. It's, I think it's smart. It's creative. It's funny. It has a good story. <laughs> I think I've only seen the third one. Oh, really? Or the fourth. Yeah. I think the third one is the one that I saw. <laughs> 
I'll have to check it out. I don't know. But they got some other good stuff on here. The Blues Brothers, um, Buena Vista Social Club. That's kind of a, an oddball choice. Clockwork mm-hmm. Orange, Grease, yeah. The Hurt Locker, The Joy Luck Club, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. And then a lot of like weird things which I've never heard of before, like Bread, which is a movie from 1918. It's probably like literally just a shot of bread. Yep. (laughs) But you know what? That's okay. So (laughs) pretty cool. Pretty cool. Cool. Speaking of other uh, DC Comics masterpieces, Mm -hmm. Zack Snyder's been uh, talking talking about some of his upcoming plans. What are your feelings on uh, the the Zack Snyder uh, movies? The Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman and Justice League. Uh, they are not the good parts of the DCEU. <laughs> okay. Um, the other films that are not like directly helmed by Snyder, even though they all have his influence, are better. So Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey are better than... Man of Steel, BVS, Justice League, and Suicide Squad. Okay. In my opinion. All right. Okay. So that's, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of all over the place with it. Like, Man of Steel, I mean, I guess let me preface this by saying that, like, I, I like Zack Snyder a lot. Like, mm-hmm. his, I mean, going back to Dawn of the Dead, I thought that that was great, you know, and his take on Watchmen. I mean, you can talk about how Watchmen is a pointless movie or whatever. And, and I get it, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that it was, it's really well made. I think that it's, it's it really is well cool. made. Yeah. He has, you know, the dude's talented. I mean, and you know, I, and my favorite film of his is sucker punch. Me um, too, actually. Yeah. And I, mean, I know that's not popular. It's at not all, popular but, at all, but that's my favorite of his. And then also like, you know, he, he directed Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's playground. Hell yeah, I watched that, and then, oh my god, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. I know. And, but then you can also watch the making of uh-huh. that thing, where you can see Zack Snyder running around, well not running around, like skating around on rollerblades yep. with the camera. It's the best. It, yeah, like it, like one of the questions I would ask Michael Jordan if I ever met him was like, what is Zack Snyder like, and what is your take on the DCEU? You probably and look at me like, like I was ridiculous. Who's Zack Snyder? Exactly. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> Well, that's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Zack Snyder. I really do. And, um, you know, Man of Steel, I thought, was pretty great. Like, I think that might be my favorite Superman movie. Okay. Like, like I can understand, like, intellectually how Superman Returns might be a better movie, but... I think so. I don't know. Man of Steel did some stuff which, I mean, it captured Krypton in a way which I had never been interested in before like i think that i don't know that that one i think works pretty well um i i i get how you know a lot of fans of the character are upset by the portrayal of him you know killing Mm -hmm. people and stuff like that i don't necessarily have that problem in the context of the story i think that there's an explanation for it in there Mm -hmm. batman versus superman i i like a lot i mean i i I get the criticism again but Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in there which which works really, really well for me. Yeah. And Justice League, I thought was really bad. Yeah. You know, but the whole time I kept on thinking, like, while this may or may not be better than what Zack Snyder had planned, 
I would much rather see Zack Snyder's original vision because it at least is a vision and not just like something which was slapped together by a studio, you know, in order to make the most commercially viable thing they could, you know? know? So, yeah, and and as far as the other thing, I mean, Wonder Woman is great. Birds of Prey, I think, is easily the best film in the the series so far. And uh, Suicide Squad is a mess, but still oddly intriguing. I don't know. <laughs> I, like I could, I, I find it to be entertaining despite the fact that it doesn't work at all. Gotcha. Shazam, I think is fun, fine, whatever. And mm. Aquaman, I could not care less about that movie. It's <laughs> so boring to me. I'm, I'm sorry, but no, that's, that's fair. Just a bunch it's, of CGI fish punching each other. I don't understand. No, it's, what. That's, that's a, again, fair, 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 Fair assessments. Um, I think with – I'm not down with the DCU as a whole. I think mm-hmm. the vision of it is a little off, and I think that started with Man of Steel. And I think with Snyder, I think he is more – in his style is more suited towards other parts of the DC universe rather than – you know, dealing with the big three and their and and what they are and what they represent. I think his take on the world in general and like how he sees things is better suited for something like, you know, Zatanna, Justice League Dark, that type of stuff, rather than Superman or Batman. And I think yeah. if he had, were helming projects with them, I think his take and his style would be a little bit more well received. And I think his style is better suited towards that. Yeah, I guess, and here's, I mean, I read like every DC comic in like the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. And I I haven't really been keeping up since. So one of the things which a lot of people said was that, you know, DC has sort of gone dark. Mm -hmm. They've gone, you know, kind of like bleak and everything. And I'm just curious as to your take on that, um, like from the comic books standpoint, like, are the comic books now more in line with Snyder's vision or are they like tonally speaking? Like if you had to say like, what are Batman and Superman comics like today in terms of let's say comic book movies, like if you had to like pick a tone, like where, where would it fall? And I I guess my other question is, do do you think that Snyder's darkness was influenced by the dark Knight, by the fact that, you know, the Nolan's comic book, The take. Dark Knight. No, 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 no. Like Nolan's movie, you know, because they're also oh, everything. That, that's <laughs> that's. I mean, that's the other thing that seems to be. You know, it's like Nolan makes a movie which is dark. It makes sense that it would be dark, mm-hmm. and basically everyone said like, "Well, DC movies, they're dark," and it's like, no, that's Batman. You know, that's not Superman. Yeah, that's and that I think and that's that's kind of the problem. So, two thousand. 2008 that is Chris Nolan at his apex right as far as him in the DC universe is concerned then 2011 the new 52 happens and then the comics reflected it in certain tones in certain ways but not all the way there because only certain stories went the really bleak way like only certain people really went the, the bleak way but there's a there's a contingent of fans that want that, which is why DC now recently started their whole black label thing. But like, you know, Frank Miller and his, his universe of th- of stuff is, you know, is the dark stuff of the DC universe, for example, in, in the comic books, there's certain stories and certain writers that kind of, I think get the 
the point, I guess, of the characters and as and and what they represent. And it's not there's more hope in it, and there's more super in the superheroing of them, in in a lot of ways. And I think you know some of the some of those examples of who gets some of the characters, like Scott Snyder, the early part. I think when, when he did Court of Owls, that was a great Batman story, right? I think Azarello is a good writer and gets a lot of the characters and it gets what gets the, what they're about. I think, you know, Jurgens gets what Superman is about. I get, I, you know, there's a handful of, of, of specific authors that write the characters well and have a good voice for them. A good current example of, of a current writer who gets a like a, a particular character in the DC universe, I think is Kyle Higgins, who really gets Nightwing and gets what he is about. And when you see Dick Grayson in like Titans, that it, to me, that's not Dick Grayson. <laughs> so, but what I see of Dick Grayson is what is what I hear through, you know, Kyle Higgins' voice because I think he gets him the best. So, and you know, Titans takes its cues from the DCEU, and they, you know, it's a little bit bleaker. It's a little bit less hope, like you know, filled with less hope for uh, of the superhero world. It's it's too caught up in this is dark. What what would it be like if these people were real and existed in the real world and all that type of stuff. So, so, okay. So, so for Batman, let's mm-hmm. say the Batman comics that exist now, like if you had to like compare them to a movie in terms of tone, what would it be? Just, just to give my, give me an idea of like, well, they're, it's, it's lighter for sure. Lighter than it's, it's lighter than what we saw in BBS and what I think people want to see. Maybe, for, maybe along the lines of like arrow, uh, early arrow, I would say. Okay. Right. Not later Arrow, but like early Arrow. And I think okay. like Arrow, like seasons one and two, I think is is the perfect balance of gritty realism with superhero fantasticism, right? Yeah. I think that it, like it found, the, it struck the right balance. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we're, that's what I think that's what people, honestly, I think that's what really resonates with people. Like with the, for example, a good example of, I think what the perfect tone for, you know, a new modern Batman would be the Arkham games. Cause it's just, it has just as much dark as it, as it does, you know, hopeful for superheroes, superhero-ness. Same thing with the Sony Marvel PlayStation Spider-Man. It's the same type of deal. It's this, it's, it strikes the right balance of taking it seriously without being over serious. Okay. So for, for Superman comics, like if you had to compare those in tone to something which is out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, way lighter. Oh, way, way lighter. So yeah. He has, so a, maybe, he has his family. <laughs> so, so maybe something along the lines of like Supergirl. I mean, is that a pretty? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just cur- curious because I mean, like I see things mainly through the lens of movies and, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in Zack Snyder world for, you know, the better part of a decade, it's kind of, you, you lose perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zack Snyder, he's, you know, obviously got his Snyder cut coming out, which looks like it's going mm-hmm. to be called Justice League, the director's cut, according to a recent HBO Max commercial. This thing is coming out, and it was recently revealed that he's going to release a new version of Batman versus Superman with the expanded IMAX ratio on home video. Okay. Where where exactly this will show up, who knows? I mean, if they're smart, they'll just throw it on HBO Max, but you know, maybe they'll actually make us pay for it or something. I mean, it's kind of cool because I mean, did you see it in IMAX? Batman um versus? I don't think so. No. 
I can see it left an impression on you. No, I, um, I, yeah, I did not see it in IMAX. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it in IMAX, and like it, they shot some sequences in IMAX, and it you know expands to the full ratio for for that, and that's kind of cool and everything. Okay. Um, but when when they released it on video, it didn't do that. It just kept the 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 widescreen aspect ratio for the entire movie, and a lot of people were like, "Hey, how come it's not expanding?" and the thinking i i swear like this he, he even said it somewhere but this was like a choice which was made by snyder he's like you know in imax it's cool to see the thing open up and fill the screen but at home it doesn't have that same impact so you know it's better to just keep it consistent throughout mm-hmm. but maybe he's changed his mind or maybe i'm misremembering or something but he's going to release the imax version of batman versus superman on home video uh, prior to Justice League director's cut coming to HBO Max. So that's something fun to look forward to, I guess. I guess. You get to see even more headroom, unnecessary headroom on your screen. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then he said that the Justice League director's cut could very well come to theaters, I, I guess, simultaneously with its release on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? I mean... I think we kind of were expecting that. You think so? Even with the four hours or six hours or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not as shocking to me, I don't think. Especially the, with the way things are going, that's not... Yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. I, I'm just trying to think of the logistics. Like, if this thing is four hours long, how, how are they going to do it? Is it going to be two parts? Is there going to be an intermission I thought there was going to be like, originally I thought it was going to be like four parts and like there were going to be like four hour long episodes. And now they say what, there's going to be six parts, but four chapters and three. I mean, it's super confusing. Yeah, it's it's confusing, (laughs) overly complicated. And it's just like, it's, it's unnecessary to the point where it's just like, where the people who are like detractors of him are just like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) and then the people who are supporters of him are just like, oh, this is so genius. Like, it's so, it's like, isn't, isn't it so great how Zach is doing X, Y, Z. And it's just like, ugh. I, I I fall squarely in the middle. I'm like, Zack Snyder is great. I love everything that he does. I cannot wait to see Justice League director's cut, even though it looks really bad. Yeah. So, there it is. But, but I, I would definitely go see it in theaters. I, I, would, I would be first in line to, to see that thing in theaters instead mm-hmm. of, you know, at home. I, 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 I would spend the day watching Zack Snyder Justice League movies because why not? Why not? I mean, I wouldn't spend the day doing it, but you're, you're going to watch it, right? You're going to watch. I'm the... going to. Of course, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I never course. said I wasn't going to watch it. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he has my money. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, speaking of people who have your money, um, mm-hmm. DC int- announced their their post uh, future state plans. Yeah. They're doing something called Infinite Frontier. They mm-hmm. really love mixing all of their, you know? They really do. Crisis on this, identity, crisis, infinite crisis, new Final, frontier. New frontier, final infinite frontier, frontier, infinite crisis. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> they just have like a random like generator with like these six words or whatever. Yeah. And Okay. So Infinite Frontier. 
it sounds like this is more of like a soft reboot. It's not a reboot. It's a, it's a refresher as they're saying. Okay. And you know, you look at the, the, I guess the teaser picture of everything there's, you know, you see lots of the old mixed in with new. So mm-hmm. you see two Superman, there's two wonder woman, there's two, two Batman. So it's just like, all right, well, where is this going and how are they going to make this work? So, and, on a, and at this point, we just kind of have to wait and see, we got to see what future state does that sets all this up. And that, and that is happening first. Uh, Cause this is supposed to kick off in March in particular, uh, you know, zero issue of, infinite frontier kicks off on of all days my birthday march 2nd hey all right happy birthday to you yep um um, yeah and it sounds like that that issue number zero is kind of going to be like a sort of a sampler thing i'm guessing Mm -hmm. right kind of give people a taste of what's to come um not one thing that i don't think we did talk about a couple weeks ago is they announced that uh, there is a new batman and it's going to be Lucius Fox's son, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, his other son, not not Luke, the one that we've come to know for the past few years. Uh, Tim Fox, the one that was randomly introduced in 1979 and not heard from again until now. There you go. Um, now, that comic is written by John Ridley, and I remember it being like a big deal when he came on board. You know, because obviously he's a a filmmaker and everything like that. So anytime that happens, there's kind of like a, a splash, but I think it was at the fandom where they announced that, right? That yeah. It's going to be. And I mean, it sounds like that's going to be like a, per, like I can't see them bringing him in to write like three issues as part of their weird alternate future state thing. Like it seems like this will be a thing going forward. Yeah. I think, right? they're, gonna keep, yeah, I think they're gonna keep him around. Okay. So that's cool. So kind of like, uh, I guess similar to, like when obviously I relate everything to the nineties, but like mm-hmm. when you like Azrael got his own comic after, yeah. you know, nightfall, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Pro- probably do something like that. Likely. Okay. Well, that's cool. I, I I'm excited. I mean, anytime they, they do this, you know, I, I get excited because I feel like it's a, a place where I can jump on. Yeah. And then I, I usually quickly lose interest and jump back <laughs> off. But <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm gonna try this time. I'm gonna okay. try. Maybe maybe we can do like a a weekly uh, DC universe recap or something like oh. that in order to to maintain interest uh, for me personally. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know we you know and if we don't do it like you know on air, we can do it off wax. Okay, it sounds good. It sounds good. Okay, I, I, I'm excited about this, but this is going to be March 2nd is when it starts, Yeah, so, right? So so that'll be like right after um, Future State ends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because Future State's only a short-lived thing, and then that's kind of basically starting the new status quo for things in Infinite Frontier. So it seems like I should read Future State in order to prepare for this. It seems Do I so. need... What what about this uh, Dark Knight's death metal, metal thing? I'm not currently reading it, so... Oh, you're not? <laughs> no. Okay. Are you going to? At some point, yeah. You're going to wait until, like, the paperback comes out or whatever? Yeah, but I think I'm going to head into this just, you know, you know, I'm just going to jump in the deep end with this and just kind of see, see where it takes me. A lot of people are talking about the dark knights death metal thing which so- it sounds so weird to me like yes. is this a music thing what what is <laughs> i don't get it who knows <laughs> okay is it just batman or is it everybody it's like the the dark knights metal yeah. expecting everything okay but it's okay. its own separate little thing well 
We'll we'll see. We'll see. Future state. You're gonna you're gonna read. Are you gonna read all of it? Just select I'm gonna, ones. I'm gonna read. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna read a lot of it. Not all of them, but a, a good a good chunk of them. Okay. And see how right. it goes. Okay. Well, yeah. In infinite. What's it called? Infinite frontier. Frontier. Yes. How could I forget? Infinite frontier. Crisis on rebirth. New fifty. <laughs> something yep yep well i i'm looking forward to it you know this will be my chance to get back into into comics so cool yeah all right well that's about it for this week uh decent amount sure. of news I'm, I'm i'm sure the next few weeks are going to be a little bit slower with the uh, yeah the holiday. holidays and whatnot but you know whatever we'll find stuff to talk about yeah and you know what we might even be pleasantly surprised by what what happens you never know hey 20, yeah 2020 is have, still not over so we we're, we're there's still I'm sure some curveballs left would you have guessed that there would be another star wars show to talk about this week after last week <laughs> no <laughs> i would not have <laughs> but here we are all right well until next week Lance, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at Sir Lance Laster on all of my social medias, and they can find me on the United Federation of Podcasts talking about all the things that make Arrow Arrow on Always Hold On To Arrow. You can find us on Twitter at Do Not Fail Our Pod. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. You can also find me on my, my website, FilmDamagePod.com, doing a show called Film Damage, where we talk about film projection, Star Trek, and time travel. And you can find both of us on a show called TFS The Season over on Talk Film Society, where we are doing double features of holiday movies from now through New Year's. And we're both going to be on an episode coming up uh, on on Christmas Eve, Yep, where we talk about Home Alone and Die Hard. <laughs> So head on over to Talk Film Society and check that out. Yeah. Last night, I was lying in bed trying to come up with a catchphrase. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't got one yet either. I've not figured out one. All right. Well, uh, I guess until next week, um, Merry Christmas. I mean, I guess that applies, right? Merry Christmas and may the force be with you. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.